everyone, and welcome to episode three of Breaking Barriers. As always, I am your host, Destiny Tatelisai. Today, we're going to be talking about the thief on the cross. Everyone's favorite topic to go to when discussing the depths of our belief and our salvation. So join me on this journey today as we dissect the thief on the cross and the actions that took place. So we found the story of the thief of the cross in Luke chapter 23 verses 32 through 43. Now modern doctrine has always taught that there was a murderer on one side of Jesus being crucified and there was a thief on the other side of Jesus being crucified. The scripture says two malefactors, um, and this is in the King James Version. And to be crucified, you had to be guilty of murder, guilty of thievery, or guilty of blasphemy against God. And so that's where the assumption is that it's the three crimes. So Jesus is being hung for blasphemy. The, then you have a murderer and a thief. And for all intents and purposes, we are going to continue calling this person the thief on the cross. And this passage of scripture reads, And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, saying, If thou be king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription was also written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, rebuked the other person on the cross, saying, Dost thou not fear God? seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou come into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So in the modern Christian doctrine, it has been at least the last hundred years that the doctrine and the pastors teaching it have been teaching that the thief on the cross is our example of what it means to call on Jesus and be saved. Yet scripture, through the teachings of Jesus or Yeshua, however you want to say his name, they teach a different story. In John chapter 3, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, he says that you must be born again of water and of spirit, and you must believe that he is the only begotten Son of God. 
And we take that to be being baptized by water, baptized in the spirit, and baptized by the blood and salvation, the original belief. But the thief on the cross didn't go through those steps, or did he? Well, that's a question that we will answer at the end of this episode. So follow me as we go through the steps of the thief on the cross. Was it truly a deathbed conversion, or were the steps of coming to the fruition and the full belief in the fullness of who he is in God. Did those steps take place for the thief on the cross? In Luke 23, verse 40, the thief acknowledged who Christ was before everyone. In verse 41, the first part, he admitted that he was a sinner and justly getting what he deserved as punishment. In the other half of verse 41, he preached the blamelessness of Christ, not only to his fellow condemnee, the other one who was mocking Christ, but to everyone who was around in front at the cross. And then he called on Jesus to remember him in the heavenly kingdom in verse 42. So what we are seeing here is first Matthew 10:32, whosoever will acknowledge me before men, that's mankind, um, so humans, people, I will acknowledge them before my father in heaven. So already in that moment, that is being fulfilled per what commands Christ gave us. Then we see in First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and purify our unrighteousness. Well, to confess in truth means that you are going to accurately account for your sins and that you are deserving of the punishment you are receiving. And the thief admitted that he was a malefactor, that he was a thief, that he deserved to be there and was deserving of his punishment. Well, the third thing, he preached to everyone the blamelessness of Christ, which is the gospel, that he was blameless and spotless and took a punishment he didn't deserve for our salvation. Well, that's Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. That's the Great Commission. The thief preached to all around him who Christ was and is, and that he was blameless and undeserving of the horrific punishment that he was receiving. And then the fourth thing, calling on Jesus to remember him, calling on Jesus as Lord, that acknowledging Jesus has that authority, has that authority to acknowledge who we are in heaven. And that's Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Well, to be Lord over something, you have that authority over everything. And we know that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So the thief on the cross fulfilled all of these commands while on the cross in his last hours. But did he fulfill John 3, 5 and three sixteen? 
To enter the kingdom of heaven, you must believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. You must be born again of water, and you must be born again of spirit. This is John chapter 3, Jesus speaking to the Pharisee Nicodemus in regards to how to enter into heaven. So we have acknowledged that the thief fulfilled believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is blameless, undeserving of punishment, that he has fulfilled the Great Commission, that he confessed with his mouth and believed that Jesus was Lord and had authority, and he confessed his sins. So did he fulfill the other parts? Many historians and scholars have long debated this conversation. And many believe that it was raining that day, that he was being drenched in rain as the final hours were coming to pass. However, every command that is given in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they don't contradict. Every command that is given is first spiritual before it is ever physical. It's an inside-out transformation. And we know that Yeshua is the living water. He told the woman at the, at the well, if you drink of this, it'll slake the thirst for now. But the water I give, you will never thirst again. All you who are thirsty, come to me and I will give you drink. He is the living water. Who he is covered who the thief was spiritually. And only the Holy Spirit falling on the thief could allow him to properly identify and spend his last moments preaching of Yeshua and who he is, blameless and true. We know that the Holy Spirit is who leads us to repentance, that leads us to these things, that leads us to the truth. And gives us discernment and wisdom and understanding. So we can see that that's its place. So it was a spiritual act that was happening. He didn't get to physically show it as far as physically being dunked in the water and baptized as the physical representation of our inward water baptism of the living water. So let's look at the parable of the laborers. In the parable of the laborers, Jesus is explaining to the disciples that it doesn't matter what time that you come to start doing the work or the labor of the Father, fulfilling his will. It's just a matter of that you do, and all who come will be given the same reward. Well, the disciples have been following Jesus for three years at this point, learning from him and applying what they have learned into their everyday walk and then teaching others and continuing this process of Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. But the thief on the cross spent all of six hours with the Son of God. And yet Jesus tells him he's going to receive the same reward. 
And I think these moments are a lot like Isaiah 53, and it is invoking jealousy on others. It is a heart check on our own part. Uh, are we going to rejoice with them that they came to work even at the end of the day? Or are we going to be angry and jealous and self-righteous within ourselves that, hey, he got the same thing I got and I've been here this whole time? It's really a heart check on those who have been walking with the Father. You see, Yahuwah, God, Adonai, Elohim, however you, again, choose to say his name, will make exceptions. He will, because he judges the heart of a person. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But we are not all exceptions. We are not all deathbed conversions. If that were the case, there would be no need of his order, and he is a God of order, not one of confusion. And that's where we have to understand that just because somebody came to the fullness and the knowledge and the understanding of who Christ was in their last hours does not negate that you have spent your life chasing after and seeking after who he is. What we should be learning from the thief on the cross is not a bare minimum necessity to be saved. But rather, we should be learning to live our lives in repentance, in purity, in passion, as if each hour is our last hour. Striding, not striving, striding. Gentle, graceful steps, moving with the Holy Spirit, the Father guiding us. Striding in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior on the narrow road that he placed before us. Romans 2.11, God is not a respecter of persons. Continue that thought into Hebrews 11.6. For he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not a rewarder of somebody who grew up Christian. Not a rewarder of somebody who grew up atheist and has all of this knowledge and can accurately bring the Bible together. Not somebody who has dug in the depths of scriptures and has the head knowledge to teach. It is the person who is diligently seeking after the heart of the Father, his likes, his dislikes, what makes him move, what sets his face upon you, what his will on the earth is and what his will for you on the earth is. Seeking his character in intimacy. He rewards that. That's where exceptions can really come in. He doesn't care of your title. He cares of your heart. He cares if you are striving to fulfill his will for you on the earth so that heaven can come down. What did Yeshua tell us to pray? 
that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not our will, Yahuwah's will, the Father. We are all so trapped in this idea of arrogance and self-righteousness. I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. You're wrong. You're going to hell. Jesus is mad at you. What are we doing? We are missing the lesson from the thief on the cross. We have given ourselves one that sounds great, the tickling of our ears, that this is bare minimum necessities to be saved. And we're missing the real lesson, which is to live our life as if each hour is our last hour to share the gospel with somebody. And the gospel is our sins are covered by a blameless, perfect, and holy Savior because he chose to bear the weight of the law that says death is the reward for sin. And sin is the transgression of God's law, his commands, what he says to do. We know this. And that is the gospel. The gospel is that grace is going to cover us even when and if we sin. That we can continue going because the debt of sin, which is death, has already been paid. And we can raise again in newness of life as a new creation, born again in belief and in water and in spirit, to become more like our Savior. So that God does not see a difference between him and us. That we are brought in as his children, co-heirs. The gospel is that no one has to die for their sin because Jesus already did. If they believe. And if you want to know how to believe, go back and watch episode two. The depth of belief. And let's begin to move past these remedial and trivial teachings as we learn from the thief on the cross to live a life of repentance, purity, and passion in the will of God in our lives for His plan on the earth. you father for everybody under the sound of my voice as they listen to this podcast i thank you for open hearts and open ears and eyes to see hearts to understand to hear your teaching and your words i thank you that new life is being brought into the person who is listening to this show i thank you that you are moving greatly in their lives I thank you for the gifts that you have given me and the wisdom and knowledge of heaven 
And I thank you for growing me in this humility to be able to convey this to others. I was just like many not that long ago. Thank you for the work that you were doing in every one of these people's lives, Lord. And I ask that you carry them throughout their week as they meditate on these scriptures and they meditate on this teaching and they begin to truly seek after you and seek your heart, that they bring all of this back to you in prayer, that you will make yourself known to them. And I thank you that for each person who listens to this for the first time and decides to give their heart to you, that you are holding them and covering them and protecting them. And I thank you, Father, for all who are an exception, like the thief on the cross, you are giving their loved ones peace that they are with you. Thank you, Lord, for every new hour, every new breath, every new day that you give us to be able to live a life of repentance, purity, and passion through your name. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen.